grateful for the fact that uh, God has put people in our church that actually work here in the school. I, I don't think that was by accident by any means. For one, it's, it's, it's good for us to have a relationship with, with the school and in this community. And I just want you to know, I've done ministry here in this building already, even before today. There have been several times when students have lost their lives due to, to tragic accidents, and the, the school is so gracious to open up the doors and say, come, would you come and be here with our students? And I've prayed with students here sitting in those chairs. I've cried with students. We've sat on the stage, and we've written notes, and we've prayed together. And so this place, is, even though it's a school, it's holy ground. God is in this place, and he's in the hallways of these schools because we have Christian students who go to school here. This school has been prayed for numerous times. We did a power team event where they came and they filled this place up four nights in a row, overflowing. And the gospel was proclaimed every single night. And people came to faith in Jesus right here in this room. And so it's been prepared for us today. We're excited about that. So let me just pray. We'll just jump right in. So God, we thank you that you do have a specific purpose and a calling on every one of our lives. And it might not mean that it looks exactly like my calling, and that's okay, because it, it's unique and personally designed for each one of us. And so I pray that you would help us figure out what that is. We'll get some ideas today for sure, but God, I pray that you would speak to the minds and the hearts of the people here, that they know that they are not here even today by accident. They're definitely not on this planet by accident, God, that you have a purpose um, and a plan for them. We praise you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this is the Calling Community Church. We're, we're mobile today because of the YMC had a swim meet. And they, that building is just completely full of people. They just were not able to meet there. And I want you to just be praying for the, in the next couple of weeks as we kind of nail things down. We really hope that we're able to just be here on a regular basis because it will give us so much more opportunity to, uh, to reach our community for Christ, And I, I want to share with you, here's our mission as a church. Here's our mission. As a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people, including this precious little girl right there, to experience the compassionate love of the Father and to discover the calling He has for their life. Like, that's our mission. And so we want to figure out how can we, how can we do that. This is a space for that to happen. It's a bigger space, and we're excited about that. Your home is a space for that to happen. Your place where you work is a place for that to happen. You can experience the compassionate love of the Father in your vehicle on the way to work, on the way home from work. You can experience it wherever God has you for that particular moment. You can experience that. And that's what we want to, we want to accomplish through, through church. Now, if, if you were here last week or if you were at the Y last week, we talked about three things at the very end of the service. We talked about being purified, sanctified, and justified, right? Purified, sanctified, justified. And so that purification process is the moment when you put, first put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says that you're cleansed from your sin. Like the blood of Jesus purified. It makes you clean. Literally, Scripture talks about you were dead in your sin and then you're made alive. I love that picture of being once dead, now made alive. Now, once you're alive, then you can be, begin to live. You can figure out, okay, now what am I supposed to do? And then we look way ahead to the, to the area where it says we're justified by God, meaning God doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees us as righteous. He doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. 
And I struggle with that sometimes. I see, sometimes I see myself as, as, I, as I saw myself in my past. And that's not a very pretty picture. But, but God's like, no, I've justified you. I don't see that anymore. I see you as just set apart, holy, um, seated next to my son, you know, just do, you know, being a part of the, the family. God doesn't see us the same anymore. And then we go through this sanctification or being sanctified, and that's a process. And can you, can, can you raise your hand to say, are you in a process right now of life and changing and just becoming different? We're all in a process, right? Are we where we want to be? No, no, we're not. We are, like the royals, they're in a process. It's an exciting process, you know, to, to be a part of that. But, but their end goal is obviously to win it all. We hope that they do. But we're all in this process of someday um, being made whole and complete and being in the presence of God. But until then, we've got this process going on. So I want to share with you real quick, because we're going to be talking about this morning, the calling, the calling of all people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Okay? I want to tell you about my calling real quick. For one, I was living a sinful lifestyle, meaning I was not living a life that was pleasing to God at all. I was living a life that was very pleasing to my own self. And I was good at it. I was really good at it. And then I went through a, a divorce, and my life was just a mess, and I completely decided, you know what, i got to start living differently if I expect different things to happen. And so I started going back to church. I went to church at the Baptist Church here in town, walked in the door, and that was the, the beginning of my, my life being purified. Like I was clean before the Lord. Like I confessed my sin before God. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and that's what happened. I was clean. And then the longer I got, in the, more, the more I attended there, and the longer I stayed there and got more involved, I started to experience this, this compassionate love that I talked about. I mean, I started to experience compassionate love from people who didn't even know me. They just started loving me. They're like, I don't have to know you to love you. Did you know that? You don't have to really know someone to love them. Now, sometimes when we really start to get to know them, then we have to really decide, am I going to keep loving them? You know? And so this, this church, they welcome me, this little old lady who sit in the, in the back row, um, and she turned around and she started to just befriend me, and she was my friend till the day she died. She started loving me with the compassionate love of the Father. And then I started experiencing God's love in a new way. I started um, realizing that God was my Father, the Father that I never knew, and He became my daddy. And that changed me. His compassionate love changed me. I wanted more of it. I couldn't get enough. I was in the church every single time I could be there. I was there growing and learning more. I discovered while I was there that I was justified by God, that he didn't see me as an adulterer. Now, that's how I saw myself, and that's how some of my friends saw me, and that's how my ex-wife saw me for a while until she was able to forgive me. But that was my identity when I walked into the church. But then I realized that's not who, how God sees me anymore. And see, that changed everything for me. When I realized I am no longer defined by what I did, I'm defined by what Christ has done for me, it changed everything about me. So the longer I stayed in that place and beginning to serve, I began, I began this process of being sanctified. And so here's what I did. I just dove into everything the church had to offer. And I saw where God was working and moving in, in young life here in Platte City. I, I got involved with uh, youth ministry at the church. I started volunteering and hanging out and helping out. And I started growing in my faith. 
And things started to change. I got remarried, and God blessed me with a new family. And, and I had a blessed, uh, my former uh, marriage, a daughter came with that, and there was a blessing there. And I stayed in her life, and, and God started to just change me a little bit at a time. And so one night, it's about 1 a.m. I, I am, my wife will tell you, I can go to sleep just like that. Literally, I will lay down, I will kiss her goodnight, I will turn to get in my comfy spot, my little fetal position, and it's over. Almost every single night it's that way. But then I woke up that night, I woke up about 1 o'clock in the morning or something like that, and so I did what I typically do. I started praying because that's what it puts me to sleep. It's like, all right, so Lord, man, I just, um, I'm just praying right now. And I really got this sense, not in a way that you hear my voice right now, but I got this sense that God spoke to me and said, I have something better for you to do. Better for you to do. Does anybody like better? We all like better, right? Like you go to choose something to eat. Hey, this is really good, but this over here tastes a lot better. And most of the time, we're going to choose what's better, right? That's, that's just that's how we are wired. And so I thought, better sounds good. Um, all right, so I'm open to that, whatever that is, whatever better is. And I didn't know exactly what it looked like then, but I knew enough to go ahead and take the first step. And I told my boss at American Airlines, someday I'm not going to be here. Someday I'm going to leave this place because God has something better than this place. Oh, better than American Airlines? Better than being a supervisor and making pretty decent money and better than the, the crazy stressful life that was there? Yeah, something better than that. And it was about a year or so after that that God finally opened the door and I was able to walk through it and go into full-time ministry. And it was better. It was way beyond anything I could possibly imagine. I remember the first couple of days sitting in my office at the church thinking, okay, now what? Like, I knew what to do at American Airlines because it was driven by schedule. Like, you just knew what to do. There, I was like, okay, God, now what am I supposed to do? So I did what every youth pastor does. I drank a lot of Mountain Dew and ate a lot of pizza. And I gained about 15 pounds in about six months. I was like, obviously, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. There's got to be something more to this. And then, obviously, I began developing relationships and, and doing things with students. I want to I encourage you guys. Here's something that you can take right away. If you want to experience God's compassionate love and discover the, the calling he has for your life, then you need to just look around and join him in what he's doing. Just look around you and say, okay, what is, what is, where is God moving and where is he active in my life right now? And it's going to look different for everybody. For me, it was student ministry. It was uh, being involved in students' lives. And so once I joined him in that and started doing it, then it started to become clear what I was supposed to do. I promise you, you cannot find out what it is he wants you to do by doing nothing. You guys get that? You've got to do something. You can't just sit there and wait. You have to say, I'll have to get, have to get involved and kind of get, get my, uh, my hands dirty. I want you to, if you have a Bible, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 2? Okay, it's in the New Testament of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, or Acts and Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then Galatians, Ephesians, okay, Ephesians chapter 2, this is good, this is good, good stuff, okay, everybody, can you see okay out there, 
Does everybody see okay? Not too bright? Good? You're good? All right. It's, the only thing different is it's so far, you're so far away from me. It's, I'm used to just being right, right there. If I get down on the stage, there'll be total feedback, though. That'd be bad. All right. So Ephesians chapter 2. So he gives, uh, Paul is writing, and he's, he's given this, uh, this message, this letter to the, to the church there. And, he, and, he's, and he's explaining um, something about their life, but he's also explaining something about my life when I read this. And he, said, he says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That definitely describes who I used to be. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest that says we were by nature deserving of wrath. When you see the word but in Scripture, sometimes the buts are bigger than others. That is a joke. You can laugh at that. This is a huge one. Because it says, like, like everyone else, we were deserving of wrath. I promise you, the way I used to live, I deserve nothing but wrath. Because I was so disobedient. Oh no, I was a good person to people. I could, feel, I could fool everybody. But deep down inside, I was, I was evil. Because I only thought about me. And I only thought about how this was going to gratify me. And I was good at it. I was like Eddie Haskell good at it. If you guys, how many of you know who Eddie Haskell is? All right, some of the old, hey, quite a few people. Awesome. The, the, the people in the back, they know who Eddie Haskell is. I was good, but I was evil. But listen to this but. But because of his, God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not something that you can boast about. You didn't do it on your own. It's a gift from God. Not by works, it says. For we, this is the part I really want you to land on here. Listen, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God had prepared in advance for us to do. So God created you, molded you, fixed you together, purified you from your sin, set you apart to be different than you can ever see yourself before, and now he's got stuff for you to do. I don't know if you realize that God has stuff for you to do. It says good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. Do you believe that, that God knew that someday that I would be a pastor? He knew that, didn't he? He had that prepared for me. Now, I, I was not living like a pastor. I was not living like, I was just living like a heathen. Now, it wasn't like I was ready then, but God prepared down the road that I would be in that place where I could do that, okay? And so I want you guys to understand that in your own life, God has things prepared for you to do. 
And I see it almost like this. Let's say if you could look up the front of the stage here, and let's just look at the front of the stage, and let's say um, along the way God has these gifts placed strategically in your life for you to open. Okay, do you get that? So gifts for you to open. When I first really started giving my life to Christ and really started living for Him, the first gift was getting rid of all the guilt in my life that I was feeling for my sin. And then he gave me a gift of friendship with people that I didn't even know. He began to, he changed who I hung around with. And he changed my, he changed my address. He changed a lot of things about me. So that was one of the gifts he had for me. L- later on down the road, the gift was, I have, I have a gift of you giving up the work that you're doing because I want you to be a full-time pastor that was a gift for me, right? Later on down the road, it goes on and on and on. Here's the thing I wanted to encourage you about. God has those prepared for all of us. It might not look exactly like mine. It's not going to look exactly like mine. It's going to be different. It's going to be unique. God picked out a gift just for you. And they're, they're prepared in advance for you to do. To be completely real with you, if you say, you know what, okay, God's got these things prepared in advance for me to do, but I'm just going to go ahead and continue to live my life the way I want to, I'm going to miss out. And I'd missed out for several years in my life, not knowing that God had these things prepared for me to do. I think I probably bypassed a lot of those blessings until I got back on track later on in my life. Then I was like, now I get it. Now life makes a lot more sense now. Like I wonder what I missed out on in the past, but I got to forget about that now. And I just got to keep pressing on and moving forward and see what God has for me. He's got things prepared in advance for you to do. He's got work for you to do. Now, I want you guys to all say this together. What is that work, okay? All right, a little bit louder. I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to give you the answer. All right? Now, is it going to be just like me? No, it's not going to be just like me. It's going to be different. And that's good because all of us are gifted and wired differently. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit brings gifts, and you're all gifted a little bit different. Everybody has a different role to play in the body. I'll go back to the, uh, the royal analogy, the royals. Man, I, I've never, the strategy of baseball is amazing. I don't know if you guys get that as, as if you follow it at all. But they have such a strategy, like just one pitcher for one batter. He'll come in, throw to one batter, and then he'll go sit down. I want that job. I want to get paid a lot of money just to do like five minutes worth of work. That would be awesome. But, they, but it's, there's so much strategy. Everybody has a different role to play, right? N- not everybody can be the catcher or the pitcher. You, you get that? It makes sense, right? In the body, it's the same way. We don't all play the same role. You saw up here on the stage, everybody was doing something different. And that's how God puts his team together, and he, and he makes it happen. Okay? What do you think the calling, the things God had pre- prepared in advance for the early followers to do? So Jesus called his, um, his first disciples or his first followers. And let me ask you, how many, how many of you can tell me, what were the first disciples Jesus called? What were they doing? They were what? Why were they fishing? Huh? To get fish, all right? Yes, you are so right. <laughs> They were, 
They were fishing because they were fishermen. Right? That's what fishermen do. They fish. What do baseball players do? Play baseball. All right? What do football players do? They play football. You're you're tracking right along here. Let me ask you just really quick. um, What do you do? Jimmy, what do you do? Purchasing. He works for a company and he does purchasing. Okay? Sounds intriguing. Because you want to know, well, what do you purchase? (laughs) Spend everybody else's money. That's good. All right? Um, Let's see. Mr. Salmon. See, what do you do? He works at Quick Trip. All right? But you're still kind of in purchasing, aren't you? Yeah, you do a little bit of the similar thing. It's a completely different job, though. Jimmy doesn't work in, work in the public like you do. Not, not as much, I know that for sure. All right, so you're getting a track, like, what it is that you do. Everyone has a, pr- a different role, right? Okay? Um, where do you do it at? Where do you do it at, Jimmy? Maltevac, Kansas City, all right? All right, we all do it in a different place, right? Phil works here in this building. He has an office in this building. I've been in his office. He's got lots of cool stuff in his office. You can just go in there and just check it all out. It's really cool. All right? Um, so you've got, you're doing different things in different places, okay? And that's good because we, we shouldn't all be in the same place at the same time doing the same thing. That would not be as effective as the way God has designed it, okay? So if you are a fisherman, then you fish, okay? If you are a purchaser, then you purchase. If you are working at Crick Trip, you deal with a lot of people, you know, who are purchasing things all the time. So you've got a different role. Jesus finds these guys. It says they were casting nets into the water. And then it's funny how Scripture sometimes is just so obvious, for they are fishermen. And then he tells them to come follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. So what he's telling them basically is a couple things. He's saying, come get behind me and watch what I do. And then it it, it gets a little bit deeper than that because there's another word for follow that's a little bit more than just get behind me. There's another word that says join me and do what I do. Like, you not, don't just watch me do it. I want you to come alongside me and let's do it together. Okay? That's what Jesus is telling them. Jesus is saying, stop doing what you're doing right now and I want you to come do what I'm doing. And what he's doing is he's fishing for men. He's fishing for men. Okay? And now he's not just fishing for men. He's fishing for there's a word that's used. It says he's fishing for the anthropos. He's fishing, he's fishing for mankind. And the word that he uses when he's talking about catching men is a word that means um, catching them alive. Isn't it good that it, it's not the other way around? Like, you wouldn't want to catch dead fish, right? Now, eventually, they're going to become dead after you catch them because you're going to eat them, probably. But you wouldn't want to throw your net in and bring up a bunch of dead fish, would you? No, that would be gross. You know, there's a lot of empty seats in this room. And I guess we could, we could go and get some corpses and just fill it with dead people. 
That would be gross. Not, we don't want to do that because after a while it would start to smell. Here's the thing I want you to understand. When you first come to Jesus, you are dead and you smell. But then Jesus makes you alive. And he's telling them, we are going to go and we are going to share this message and we are going to catch people and we're going to catch them alive. We're going to grab a hold of them and we're going to make them come alive because we want them to do what we're doing too. Here, it basically comes down to this. Guess what? Every single one of us have the same exact calling on our life. But it looks different depending on where you work and what it is that you do and wherever it is that you find yourself during the day. I know Brittany is a student. She's a senior in high school. It looks different for her than it does for me. But the calling is the same. We are all supposed to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our calling. That is what he is saying, I want you to do. And so um, my friend Brady Rogers, you guys know him, he, he does this more effectively even than I do. He is a fisher of men. And Brady has stuff in his truck he calls um, in his tackle box. Isn't that funny? He's, he's got stuff in his tackle box. He's got um, like little Bibles or scripture verses or tracts or things that he's, he's handing out to people. He's got some food that he'll give people. He'll bless them to, to get into a, a conversation with them. He's pretty effective at it. He's like, no fear. No fear. And that's a problem, isn't it? Because some of us, when I talk about, you know, we are called to share Jesus and be a witness, how many of us say, that's me? We can be honest, it scares us. It scares us for a couple reasons, I think. It's for one, it's like, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Right? Or what if they challenge me, and then all of a sudden I feel like, well, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm not even, we're afraid maybe they'll challenge, challenge us deep down into our core of what it is that we believe. Or we're afraid they'll get hostile to us. In some countries, you get your head cut off if you talk to them about Jesus. I don't think that's going to happen here in America yet. I have not had, had, have heard about it happening yet, so I hope that's the case, but... But sometimes it's fear. And even when Peter met Jesus in Luke chapter 5, which is a completely different rendering of the story of Jesus calling his disciples, Peter was afraid. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, because we're going to do this together. I'm going to empower you. He's fine. He's fine. That's, seriously, they're okay. Just let them, which is an experiment. We're just letting them wander. <laughs> And as soon as I look at him, he'll run away. He's like, no, don't want to do that. All right. So I want you to um, think about this idea. So Jesus calls us to follow him. And then he gives us this, this responsibility to be an ambassador for him. Okay? Think about that. Wherever it is that you go, whatever it is that you do, you are an ambassador, a representative of Jesus Christ. Okay? So you're on the team. You've got a jersey with your name on the back of it. I was telling, I was telling someone this analogy earlier in the week, and, I, and I'll just, uh, I think we've got a little bit of time, I'll go with it. I could tell you, hey, you know what, you won't believe this, but I, I play for the Royals. And you're like, yeah, dude, whatever. No, no, seriously, I do. I have a hat. 
I have a Royals hat. And you're like, oh, okay, there's a lot of people who have Royals hats. Okay, well, let me take you a little bit further. Not only do I have a hat, I have a jersey with my name on the back of it. It's an authentic jersey like the ones the players wear. Once again, you can say, Brady, I don't, I don't care. You can buy those. You can get them online. I have my own. What? Okay, I was like, well, let me, what if I showed you a roster? What if I showed you a roster and my name's on the roster in the batting, or, batting order? Matter of fact, Billy Butler, he's out. Brady Testorf's in. All right? Designated hitter. It's awesome. I can run as fast as Billy Butler. I guarantee it. Just barely. <laughs> now that I'm older. I'm older than Billy Butler for sure. All right, so I can show you a roster, and you're like, okay, Brady, that's fine. Man, with computers and modern-day technology, you just made that up, right? I say, all right, fine. Just come to the game. You'll see me on the field. All right, fine, Brady. If that's what you want me to do, I'll show up. You show up at the field, and sure enough, there I am on the field. And you're like, now you're starting to believe it, right? Now you're starting, wait a minute, there might be something to this. Brady is actually on the field. He's got a jersey with, he's dressed just like the rest of them. He's hanging with the guys. You know, he's got some bubble gum in his mouth, blown bubbles. He could be one of those guys. But you know what? What do you still need to see me, to see me do before you're really convinced? You need to see me play. You see me get up kick the, you know, knock the dirt off my cleats and take that first pitch, then you know I'm in. Then you know I'm a part of the team. Listen. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're on the team. But you still got to play. You still have to get in the game. You still have to do what it is God has called you to do. It's one thing for me to say I'm on the team, but it's a whole other thing for me to get in and take a swing. And God has called each one of us as a believer in Jesus to be an ambassador for him. Billy Butler is an ambassador for the royals. He represents the royals. He calls us to be ambassadors for him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Like our job as followers of Jesus Christ is to introduce other people to him so that they can be reconciled to God. So, they're, so they will not have to be dead in their sin any longer so that they can be alive too. That's what it means to fish for men. Like I have a responsibility to be an ambassador and be a, a, min a minister of the reconciliation of God. Now listen, it literally says he has given us this ministry as if he's making a, an appeal to the world through us. Did you, did you hear this? God is making an appeal to the rest of the world through his followers. And that's our calling. He is calling us to, to appeal to the people who don't know him to say, you know, I want to introduce you to this, this guy named Jesus. That's what he's asking us to do. And I know it's scary and I know it's hard, and sometimes we're better at it than others, and sometimes we, we have great days, and other days we struggle. But uh, my wife gave me this, this quote um, this week, and she, she shared this quote with me. It's from the Beth Moore Bible study. Even in the face of death, not one of Christ's disciples went on record wishing he had stuck to his old life. So think about that. Not one of them said, you know what? I wish I wouldn't have became a follower of Jesus. I wish I would have just stayed a fisherman. 
Because that was an okay life. I could manage it. It was easy. None of them said that. They all said it was worth leaving behind what they knew to follow this Jesus, to, to jump into this adventure that he had for them. And you know what? I can, I can be honest with you. I would not go back to my old life for a million dollars, for two for whatever it is. I would not do it. Never. Because of who I used to be and the adventures that I've got to go on since then. So as we finish up, I want to share. This is what we've printed as the calling of all believers. The Lord Jesus Christ commands all believers to proclaim the gospel throughout the world and to make disciples of all nations. Obedience to this great commission requires total commitment to Him, to the one who loved us and gave Himself for us. He calls us to a life of self-denying love and service. We are to know God and to make Him known. And we are to do this because that is what Christians are called to do. Just like a fisherman fishes or a pitcher pitches, we are called to proclaim this good news. And the, and the crazy thing is, is you don't have to worry about having the power to do it because on your own you cannot do it. But he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that he says the Holy Spirit will come on you and he'll give you the power to be my witnesses. He'll empower you to be his witnesses. And then it says you'll do it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And let me just, let me just say this. Your Jerusalem is right where you live. Your neighborhood, the community you live in, your family, parents, parents, can I just get your attention for a moment? Your number one responsibility as a parent is to make sure your children know about Jesus. Bottom line, make sure they know about Jesus. Because if they leave your home and they have all kinds of great skills and they have leadership ability and whatever, but they don't know Christ, they have nothing. Make sure your children know about Jesus. And then lastly, every single one of you have 8 to 15 people in your life that, would, that, that um, there's a word called oikos. You have 8 to 15 people that you have influence over in your life that you're responsible for to share the gospel with. And you can do that in several creative ways. Just invite them over. Love them. Love them to the point they want to know why you love them so much. And then you tell them. Let them experience the compassionate love of the Father. Help them discover what God has called them to do. You might be here today because somebody invited you to come. Because somebody valued you enough, loved you enough to share the truth with you. So I want you guys to think about this. I want you guys to look around you. There's lots of empty seats. And every single one of us knows somebody that needs Jesus. We do. And even though I'm the pastor, it's not just my responsibility to fill the seat. Matter of fact, you might be more effective where you're at than I would be because that's, you've got that calling. You've got, God's placed you there for a reason. And, you're, and those people trust you and they know you. You have influence in their life. So I want to encourage you, um, as the, the band goes, goes ahead and comes on up, 
I want to share this, uh, this last story here. Mark chapter 5. Just, just, you don't have to turn there, but I just want you to think about Mark chapter 5. There was a man who was possessed by demons. Maybe you've met somebody that's been that bad off. I don't know that when I was living in my sin, was I possessed by demons? I know that I was not living for Jesus. And then he meets Jesus, and Jesus, this is a story where Jesus sends the demons into the pigs. It's a crazy story. It should be made into a movie. It'd be awesome. Jesus cleanses him, purifies him, makes him right before the Lord. And when Jesus was getting ready to go, it says in Mark chapter 5, Jesus was getting into the boat, and the man who had been um, demon-possessed begged Jesus, let me go with you. Jesus did not let him go. But here's what he said. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, this area of ten cities, he went to tell them how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Do you think this man wanted to go back to being demon-possessed? He did not want to go back to his old life. Instead, he went and told everyone what Jesus had done for him. That is a simple challenge to you. Now, you cannot tell everybody you meet. I get, I get, I get that. I go to a lot of places. I don't just accost everybody that I see, you know, back him into a corner, tell him about Jesus. But I promise you, everywhere I go, I ask the Lord, is there somebody here today that needs to hear this message? And God, give me the opportunity to speak. And if he does, then I gotta be faithful and speak. If he doesn't, that's okay, I'll move on. And God is challenging us to do that today. So I want you guys to just be encouraged by that, to go and share with the people that you know. All right, so we're going to do something a little bit different this morning just because of the way we're set up. We're going to, we're going to pass the offering plates through the, um, through the rows on the, the last song. And if you come prepared to give, then we would encourage you to give and help continue to bless the work that we're doing here. Um, after it's over, um, after the song's over, then I'll come back up and we'll pray and we'll be done. And if you're here this morning and you have never put your faith in Jesus, we encourage you to do so. Let him purify you. Let him change the direction of your life. He's got good things prepared for you to do, and I want to encourage you to get in on that. We'll be available to pray with you and encourage you after we're done, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. So let us stand for worship, and uh, the offering baskets will be passed through. We thank you um, so much for being with us this morning. We, we, um, we never want to leave if there's... If you need someone to pray with you today, you need to be encouraged, maybe, maybe you need to come and say, I just need to give my life to Jesus because I've never done that, then we want 
to uh, make that available to you. So there'll be some people up here at the front who um, just have been invested in this church from the beginning, and they would love to pray with you. And uh, maybe sometimes knowing what it is God wants you to do starts with this moment right here, just saying, I just, here I am. I just want to step forward and put my faith in Jesus. So let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this offering. God, I pray that it would allow us to continue this calling that you've placed on this church here in this community to be a a blessing um, to people that need to hear hear about your passionate love. And I pray you continue to reveal to us what it is that you are calling us to do. And we know in the very least, or maybe even in the greatest thing, is that we are supposed to share you with others. And uh, so teach us how to do that without fear, just trusting that you are moving, and and I pray that you just have your way. Thank you for the, the opportunity to be in this school. Bless Platte County High School. God, bless the teachers that work here, that serve um, and minister to students every single day. Got to pray peace in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here. Come on up if you want prayer.